The Lifestylist, Episode 8, featuring Taro Isokalpila. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my all-time favorite companies known as Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic make these amazing medicinal mushroom and herbal elixirs. So there's these little packets, really easy to transport, very portable, very potent, and very delicious. So they make a reishi, a chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, etc. If you don't know what those are, you definitely need to look into your medicinal mushrooms. These are great drinks on their own or even to add to an existing concoction. Like I love to upgrade my Bulletproof coffee with Four Sigmatic products. And you may have seen this in my supercharged Bulletproof coffee video. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's also in the episode upgrade from episode one. But foursigmatic.com is the place to go to get these highly convenient, very powerful, really high-end herbal elixir powders. So go to foursigmatic.com, and the bonus here is that I got you a little hookup of 15% off. How do you get it? You enter this code, the lifestylist. So at foursigmatic.com, enter the code, the lifestylist, to save a cool 15% off. What's up? It's Luke Story from LukeStory.com here to deliver you episode eight of the Lifestylist podcast featuring today's guest, Taro Isokaupila from Four Sigmatic Foods. And today's episode is all about the magic of mushrooms. Not those kind of mushrooms, I know what you're thinking, although we do cover that as well. I'm talking about medicinal mushrooms such as chaga, reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps, that type of thing. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you definitely need to listen to this episode. If you do recognize some of those names and you are a medicinal mushroom user, such as myself, of many, many years, I think you still want to listen because Taro is a true expert on the subject and he does a great job of exposing some of the industry scams and secrets that us as consumers are probably not aware of. So whether you're an experienced mushroom user or a novice or just curious, I recommend that you stick with this interview. It's a really fun chat that we have, and it's packed with great information all about mushrooms. Now is the point in the show when I am going to hook you up, my friend. What is that hookup? It's known as the episode upgrade, and it's going to be yours for free in about two minutes. The episode upgrade is a sweet PDF that I put together of all of the show notes and links and resources discussed in this interview with Taro. So you don't have to worry about writing anything down, remember anything. I got you, boo. Okay? So here's what you're going to do. Text the word LIFESTYLIST8 to the number 44222. So you're just going to send a normal text to this phone number. The phone number is 44222. The body of the text is LIFESTYLIST and the number 8. Okay? If you don't like phones, no sweat. I've got you on the browser. Put in this URL, lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist8, and you're going to get hooked up just like those texters, okay? So it's a really great resource. I'm really happy to share these with you. I'm trying to do them for as many episodes as I can, and I encourage you to share that with your friends and family once you get the download. There's some really great information in there, 
including tons of stuff about medicinal mushrooms and saunas and all kinds of rad things that are my featured favorites this week. Okay, so have fun with that. And while you're enjoying that free upgrade, I'd like to remind you to definitely subscribe to this show so you don't get punked and miss out on a bunch of new episodes that are about to come out. In fact, episode nine comes out not next week, but tomorrow. And episode nine features Dr. Kelly Bender, and we talk about what? Shooting up vitamins. Yep, it gets deep. All right, so make sure you subscribe. And please, if you love the show and you're enjoying this, help to support me and it by going into iTunes and leaving us a rating and review. We'd be so appreciative. So while you're doing that, I'm going to go take a break and have some medicinal mushroom tea while you enjoy this amazing episode with Taro Isocalpula. Taro Isocalpula is the founder of Four Sigmatic and is on a mission to make medicinal mushrooms more accessible to everyone. Taro founded Four Sigmatic in 2012 and its products are now sold in over 25 countries. In 2015, the company launched in the U.S. and relocated its headquarters to Los Angeles, California. Four Sigmatic's functional mushroom coffees, hot cocos, and elixirs are sold at retailers nationwide, including Whole Foods and other natural grocers, as well as online at foursigmatic.com and through online health websites like Thrive Market. Taro and Four Sigmatic have been featured in prominent media outlets including Vogue, Time, Forbes, W Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Goop, Well and Groomed, Mind Body Green, and many others. Welcome to the show, Taro. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as you know, I have an interesting relationship with Finnish people because back in the day in my other life, I used to play music with a bunch of guys from Finland. And I don't know if you remember when we met at that, what was that festival we met at? Mercado Sagrado. Yeah, really great festival out in Malibu. And uh, I probably freaked you out as I do all Finns because I always run up to them like, hey, hey, I know Finnish people. I know Finnish people. And they're like, yeah, so do I. So what? But it's, it's, it's like the relationship I have with Finns is uncanny because when I moved to Hollywood in 1989, I met this group of guys and they were in this band called Smack. And through them, I met all these other Finnish musicians and every Finn that ever came to L.A. to play, they were friends with. And so really, like my first group of friends in this city were all Finns. So, of course, um, you know, that was like my introduction. And I thought that half of L.A. was from Finland because it's like all my friends were Finnish. Okay, so... Tell me a little bit about your background. You know, I know you have the company Four Sigma Foods and I love like your mushroom powders and all your little potions. How did you end up getting into the business in the first place? I grew up at our family farm in Nokia, Finland. Nokia, obviously known for mobile phones, but you know, that's a, originally a small town about two hours north from Helsinki. And our family has had a farm there. We don't exactly know because Finland was burned you know, at one point and we lost all the records, but at least in 1619. So me and my brother who's really into rock music, by the way, has like a small heavy metal label and stuff like that. So I grew up in the rock scene, like inspired by him. So we both grew up on a, on a farm and my dad is an agronomist, a pretty good one in it. And uh, mom teaches physiology and anatomy. So both health and farming were pretty close to to our lifestyle and, you know, showering in spring water and stuff like that. So like pretty natural, but not a hippie lifestyle it was pretty like hardworking blue collar 
type of stuff. And we went to this elementary school that our great granddad helps to found. It was like a foraging school. So essentially like an environmental school of building nests for owls and eating organic food and foraging plants and naming their Latin names. So that was kind of the inspiration for that. And later, you know, studied chemistry, nutrition, wanted to become a pro athlete, was never nearly as good, but ended up teaching a lot of athletes. And then about 10 years ago, kind of bumped into mushrooms as, a, as so starting my first mushroom business then. And, but altogether, like health and wellness kind of, kind of grew up with it. I rebelled for a while. So there was a period when I was like, F this, you know, and just like, didn't think it, but then it catches up to you so quickly. And once you've had a good feeling in your body, you sleep well, and then you lose it. You really like, that's actually like when you really have the wake up call that this works, you know? So that's essentially the short story, how I end up here. So that's cool. Well, you, you rang my bell showering in spring water. <laughs> that's, that sounds cool. I mean, I picture, I've never been to Finland, but I always picture, you know, like the lake regions and like in Northern Finland and the more remote areas. For some reason, I have this picture of this idyllic nature reserve that's never been touched by civilization. I know that's a false belief, but I, it just seems so remote that it is immune to like pollution somehow. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've definitely been spoiled. So the area that our farm is, is actually like rewarded several times as the most beautiful areas in the country. So it's actually even known it's even the name of that area is, is called scenic. So whenever my foreign friends will visit, they're like in awe of this like lakes and small islands. And we have these cottages by the lake. And I'm like, for me, it comes just work. Like at nine, my first job was to like kill rats. Like that was my first job at nine, like really hardworking, collecting stones from the field or whatever. Like, I don't see those, those landscape as something like, Ooh, I just want to relax here. I'm just like, first thought to me is like, I'm going to work. But, um, but once you're, I've lived abroad for a while and lived in different, different countries, definitely the Nordic lifestyle or, you know, in the U S there's certain area states, Canada and all, as well. And where you get this like really quiet lifestyle and that's the Nordic countries a lot about that. So it is quiet, peaceful, you know, pretty natural by its definition. You just reminded me of something speaking of, um, you know, living in this, beautiful, serene area and you bring people there and they find it so relaxing and your memory is like really hard work. I have the, I have a very similar feeling about Colorado because my dad, you know, I grew up mostly in California, but my dad lived in Colorado and I would go out there and he was so excited to live there. He was born and raised there and he was, you know, in hunting and fishing and he was, um, he raced snowmobiles and he was a ski patrolman and he raced stock cars and he was a rodeo like bareback bronco right he had this like amazing life so to him it was all like the rugged life and all that hard work that you're describing and just like hard living not like a party hard living but just the lifestyle of you know like really working the fields and working with livestock and all of that was so shocking to me and i remember uh, going out there and it's this beautiful you know setting where he lived but he asked me to do something like, cool. Yeah. So just go out and irrigate all the fields. You know, and it's like, I don't know how many acres there were on his ranch or whatever, but I'd be out there like, you know, digging trenches. And then you'd have to put these tarps in, you know, to reroute the water, to irrigate the alfalfa for the horses. And I'm going like, this sucks. Where's my skateboard? You know, it's yeah. just, and then the froze, and then there was, he had um, horse stables and all the horse shit would freeze over. 
And I would have to go out there and like shovel the frozen horse shit, which is basically like trying to shovel ice with a shovel. But that's actually a cool segue to a lot of stuff that we've talked about, like natural lifestyle, you know, now the trendiness of paleo and everybody like back to the land, permaculture, all this stuff that is trending again. People from the cities want to get back in touch with what is their food, like the primary industries essentially. But at the same time, there is that no matter how thin you slice it, there's two sides. And and I, I feel like a lot of people, when they actually go to that lifestyle and they spend more time there, they're going to realize that it's actually really tough and it's not always fun and games. But, you know, there's still something there that keeps people doing it despite the tough lifestyle. Sure. And one other thing I want to ask you about, it's like, again, I'm just, you know, fascinated by certain elements of Finnish culture, is... We're sa- you're sitting right next to my infrared sauna there, and you're probably like, Psh, there's no fire in there. <laughs> but did you grow up where sa- like saunas? You guys call them sauna, right? Yeah. For people that listening, if you don't know this, saunas were from Finland, right? Yeah. Was that part of your culture growing up too? Well, let me put it this way. if I, I might misquote, but we have eight saunas for four people in our family. So maybe that will answer your question. So we're pretty into saunas, so... Uh, but not infrared that was like that came about 10 years ago it started trending there but yeah definitely like wooden or smoke saunas that's a big thing if you're ever in the nordic countries you get to go to an old smoke sauna that essentially you heat up the whole day and it, it that's that's an amazing experience just for the sake of doing something totally unique um and exciting that's a smoke sauna and if what's you ever the get difference the between a smoke sauna and and my you know my view of a finished sauna is like a wooden structure next to a lake where there's a hole cut in the lake that you jump in which is like the best thing ever and there's a fire inside the sauna heating up what's a smoke sauna well that is a traditional sauna as well so don't get me wrong like that experience is if i go i want to get that experience but yeah. there's also these old sauna type of saunas where you essentially turn the smoke inside the sauna for a while. So everything gets pitch dark because of the, like the tart and it has a different smell to it and different vibe to it. And there's only certain areas where you can sit or, or you'll get all black and, uh, and it takes longer time, slightly different way. But again, like the traditional, if it's just, if it's wood warmed, then it's like a, usually a traditional sauna. Like a lot of the saunas you would go in fancy hotels are just not nearly hot enough. Like we think, if you can read a magazine there, that's not a sauna. Totally, I'm with you. If you if you gotta kind of bow down and you're like, holy hell, this is warm, and I need to go and jump into a frozen lake, then you've been in a real sauna. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, one time was taken by a friend of mine to uh, a Native American sweat lodge, and that was probably the only like sauna experience I've ever had where I wasn't bitching about the fact that it wasn't hot enough. I mean, I was like. Even for me, and I can tolerate extreme cold and extreme heat. That was the only one where I was like, wow, this is even a little too much. And I, I couldn't even stay for all of the ceremony. I'd have, I'd have to go out and take breaks because I kind of wussed out. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's a, that's enough of my, my Finnish nostalgia. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to get over there and visit my friends that have since moved back to Helsinki. And, you know, I, I've always really wanted to go there. So well, you're for... always welcome at our farm. So. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Do you. Don't be surprised if I take you up on that. Yeah. Well, I just recommend summer. <laughs> of course. So, you know. Oh, dude, trust me. I'm not going I'm not going there with like one hour of daylight. And then, no, that's not happening. It's funny, too, because uh, my it's last last thing, and I swear we'll talk about stuff that maybe not just me is interested in. But um, I found out 
years ago that I actually am part Finnish. I had a lot of Swedish um, heritage, but I did have some Finnish heritage on my dad's mother's side. And she was like really into the family tree and went back to Scandinavia and researched all the old church records and stuff. So I was so thrilled to tell my Finnish friends that, um, <laughs> that, I, that I had some Finnish blood. And when I finally found out the name of the town, I think it was called Turku Obu. Yeah, yeah, that's the old capital. That was the one that burned. Okay. It's one of the biggest cities. Okay, well, what my friends from Helsinki said, because they're probably snobs, they said, yeah, congratulations, you're from the asshole of Finland. Well, yeah. Well. <laughs> you probably don't want to comment on that because you don't want to offend your homeland, but they were adamant about the fact that that place sucks, and they got such a kick out of that. You should go there during the summer. It's one of the most beautiful cities. Okay. It's like the most hated place, but still, nevertheless, during the summer, it's one of the most beautiful places. Well, thank you for redeeming that. So let's move on to, you know, that's where you came from and, and, and a little bit of, you know, just how you had an interest in the beginning in this field. Tell me about why you gravitated toward mushrooms specifically and, and what is it that mushrooms can do for us? I'm a huge fan of chaga mushrooms. I live on chaga tea. I make my coffee with it. I drink it every single day. I take uh, reishi mushrooms like crazy, probably amounts that aren't even safe. Uh, you know, um, and some of the other ones too, but I really don't know that much about them. I just know that my body really responds to them and it's more of an intuitive thing. Um, so, you know, what's up with the mushroom kingdom and are they plants? Are they animals? Do they come from outer space? What's up with these things? Yeah. I mean, we can obviously deep dive on the science as well, but I think if we start with the fundamentals, so maybe a lot of listeners are right now thinking like mushrooms, like are they psychedelics? Is this a portobello, a cremini mushroom? What, what are they talking about? And it, it is a kingdom. It is a kingdom and kingdoms, there's only a few kingdoms. Animals are one kingdom. Plants are one kingdom. Bacteria and fungi is a kingdom. And it's actually super close to human beings. So we are actually part of the same super kingdom. So we're half or, you know, 30 to 50% mushrooms as far as our DNA goes. So that means that we're very prone to fungal disease, but we can also utilize fungal me medicine way, it's way more bioavailable, stronger. There's certain kind of mushroom medicine that is just so potent. And today, I would say pretty much every person has been on shrooms at one point, and I'm not just talking about the psychedelics. Like a lot of the antibiotics have are derived from fungi. Penicillin is derived from fungi. So there's a lot of, about 40% of, of pharmaceuticals today are derived partly or fully from fungi. So it is a big thing. How I gravitated towards that was like just growing up in a Nordic country. So for the US listeners, I guess like Maine, Vermont, or maybe a little bit of Washington, but with smaller trees is the vibe that you would see. And, and we would forage a lot of stuff. And it was mostly berries and mushrooms because those are like the easy calorie sources. You can also forage things like nettle, but you're not going to get a lot of calories out of nettle, whereas, whereas mushrooms and berries are great for that. And that was like my original love for it. And then I kind of, my first mushroom venture happened by accident. We were like shooting shit with my friend and we were bored and we filed for this, like we had found this mushroom that was like the truffle of Japan, Matsutake. And at that time they thought it only grows in this Northern Island of Japan, Hokkaido. And it was super expensive. It still is super expensive. It's like a Michelin top star restaurant mushroom. And we essentially found it that it also grows in Finland. And uh, we made this joke of a business around it and we filed it for the government and the Nordic governments would essentially fund a lot of businesses if you just come up with an idea. And, and we won this innovation contest and they were willing to fund it. And, but at that time we, 
didn't really see that like food industry was something where we could leave an impact. It's dominated by big players. I, I didn't have that passion. I was in general gravitating towards more like the medicinal mushrooms or like the really like potent healthy mushrooms. And there's more like culinary mushroom. So we ended up donating that business to a university and they, they took it on. And I think they still run it. But uh, that was my intro to mushrooms. Like, And then a few years later, as I was really into like adaptogenic herbs, just like these couple of mushrooms just kept on coming, especially like reishi, cordyceps. And I studied them further with a few of my friends and, and that just, we were testing them. And it, it was, what it was clear is that it was like, I was used to, I was a believer in natural foods, foraging and living that lifestyle. But I was always problem with athletes or people who are not like fully bought into that stuff. They were like making all kinds of hippie jokes was that the fact that, and they were right, uh, that it usually took like six to eight weeks before you had noticeable results of, of eating some kind of botanical herbal remedy. Like who has time for that anymore? Like you want like quick results. That's why people love coffee because coffee will give you that noticeable result quickly. It's not, you're not second guessing. You know that you just got something out of it. Whereas with a lot of other stuff, you're just like kind of hoping you're going to get something. But when I took like the real authentic reishis and cordyceps of the world, I felt them like super quick, so noticeable that I haven't had that experience many times. And then I became again, a mushroom believer. And this time, not from a culinary or, or an alternative protein source, but more from a medicinal point, how, how they can impact our hormonal balance, like sleep quality, oxygen intake, brain function, fun, things that cannot be measured with calories, cannot be measured with, and we can go into this detail, but it's fascinating how we've been overly focused on things like calories, like macronutrients, which do matter. I think they're still misunderstood by, by a large, and now gradually we're getting into micronutrients, like the importance of minerals, but there's this like a third layer, like even a small layer of different kinds of phytonutrients or mushroom medicine, things that clearly affect our body, but cannot really be explained by calories or minerals. Obviously people think of psychedelics and that's the mushroom psychedelics is an example of something that something affects our brain with a drastic impact that cannot be explained with these. Uh, but there's also another way how you can use these for non-recreational, non-spiritual practices uh, for just purely physical strength and mental power. And uh, and that's what like, it's like whole food pharmaceuticals essentially. So um, that was my my passion on towards mushrooms. And, and now we've been on this road for a few years. Uh, we started out in Finland about three and a half years ago. We are sold in something like 27 countries and a lot of like natural food stores. And then uh, our big dream was always, we're an employee-owned small startup, so we didn't really have funds to come to the U.S. first. So we had to wait until we had a little bit of traction, a little bit of cash flow. And then, but the always dream was to come here because like if something breaks, like comes bigger here, there was a ripple effect for global health. And that's like, it's like a leverage towards getting some like good missions and statements out there. So early 2015, so this year we launched it in the U.S. and uh, it's been a ride ever since. You guys did a great launch because it was seemingly all of a sudden that I started seeing your product everywhere. It was like, I don't know what your marketing plan was, but it worked because I, I immediately was like, oh, I saw it. It's one of those things where you see it and you're like, eh, I don't know, I've never heard of it. So you pass it by and then you see it again and again and again. It's like on the fifth time I go, if it's in like all the stores that I like and all the people that I hang with kind of congregate in those places, there must be a reason why it's spreading. If it sucks, it would kind of die in the first store seemingly. So 
kudos on getting your stuff out there in a way that was very visible. And something else um, that I noticed too, which is somewhat rare in this industry, but is becoming somewhat more prominent. And that is you guys have a really cool outward facing brand and like the fonts, the logos, the colors, the images you guys use. I just think it's, it's cool when like a supplement company or, uh, you know, a company like yours comes out and actually like looks cool and represents a lifestyle in terms of the brand, because younger people like I once was find a lot of kind of the health food and supplements is sort of corny. You know, the websites always look kind of crappy and they look outdated and unsafe to enter your credit card number. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you guys came out. I was like, wow, these guys are cool. You know, you have like a good Instagram account and you're, you're young and savvy. And I, I think it's just really exciting when, you know, you're a few years younger than me, um, when younger entrepreneurs are coming out with great ideas and great products and putting it out into the world in a way that appeals to a different generation. You're, you know, you might make something that's useful to an older person that's having some degenerative disease or that's, you know, being pushed into being healthy and, you know, finding supplementation and stuff to help them. But I find, um, you know, what you're doing is going to appeal to people that are not necessarily having problems. They're just looking to optimize like an athlete that's in perfect condition and they just want like that little extra nudge. So it's, it's a really cool thing, I think, where where we're going in terms of this industry. Yeah, I think food in general is in a great transition. There's multiple things that affect it. So, uh, you know, the transparency, I think people's, I think like probably listeners of this are example of that, but people's bullshit detectors have become real good. Like you, they spot on like within like words. And, you know, our, our communication was far from perfect. Our team is like English is the third or fourth language. Our first packaging didn't tell what the pr- product is for or how to use it. So literally our box didn't say, why would you use it and how would you use it? So it was like an enigma first. But I guess like despite all those major problems that we had or our like lack of skills in certain marketing things, it was like people, I guess people saw that like there was no bullshit or like they could see that. It was something with made with you know passion and you almost uh, said made with love and then you stopped yourself because <laughs> yeah because that's 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 bullshit <laughs> made with love if you add, if you have to add that made with a heart or whatever that's like that's gone that was like you should have stopped doing i mean we can just assume that if you're passionate about something that it's inherently made with love maybe it's not something that necessarily needs to be outwardly stated in some cases yeah totally so yeah, I mean, food in general, like people want to know where the food comes from. They also want to know, but it's in, cause you, nobody has time to deep dive on every detail. And like, obviously we can now deep dive on every detail of mushrooms, but who has the time for, for that? You, you just want to know that it's done by people you trust and so on and so forth. And now we've seen like this year, like a lot of the big food companies are flat. They're not growing. They're actually losing sales, you know, from McDonald's to the large, like, food giants and, and, and just new brands are emerging like smaller and smaller brands and people are finding information easier and online and, and so many good things are happening right now. Like the work is far from done, but I, I can see like, I'm, I'm, I've never been this excited to be part of this movement. And like, there was times when you had to be kind of ashamed of it. Uh, maybe Southern California was always like the ground zero of health. You know, it, it, this is one big kale smoothie, but in general, like, around the world, wherever you go right now, people seem to be excited of different 
alternatives and different options. And even if they don't believe in some of the answers that are right now given, they're asking good questions. And that's that's huge alone. So yeah, you're totally right. It's it's really fun to for me to have been kind of in this scene for so long. I mean, it's almost 20 years that I as an adult have been actively, you know, trying every herb, every adaptogen, every supplement, every freaking juice you can imagine all over the world. But I go back even into the early health food store days, which I love to recall both my parents shopped at the health food store and made yeah. me take vitamins. And I mean, I was just in that from day one. And what I find really cool is that now you'll see a lot of products coming out and you can tell that uh, the public is becoming more savvy because you see more products with like no canola, know this, like yeah. all of the hidden shit that's not supposed to be, you know, that you don't want in there anyway, but no one knows about. Like, you know, if you go to Whole Foods, it's like canola foods. The whole thing's like just, is like a lot of really crappy stuff, so, you know, disguised as health food. But now you're seeing like, um, you know, no, no canola, no beet sugar. I mean, really weird stuff that only savvy people would know that you don't want in your food. So yeah. the public awareness is getting huge and it's, you know, it's because of podcasts like this and people don't have to necessarily read the label. You can read the front and just look at what it doesn't have. And you know, if a company is omitting those substances, you're probably in good hands because they're being honest and transparent enough to let you know that that crap's not in there. So it's like, if they're saying there's no canola oil, no this, no that, it's a pretty good chance that you're dealing with like a whole food, truly a whole food and not you know, something that's kind of engineered. But isn't it funny that we have to call a store a health food store? Dude, totally. On my last podcast, whichever one it was, thank you. I, I was like, I live in this weird paradigm that people think I'm like a health nut. I think you're nuts if conventional food is conventional to you. Like organic food is the ultimate conventional food. Yeah. You know? It's like, that's sometimes I feel like I'm an hour Alice in Wonderland, you know, it's just like, so it's just so weird. Like, um, I'm Nadine Artemis on the show. Oh, here. cool. You know, I just love her work because some of it's around, you know, um, skincare and dental hygiene. And she talks beautifully about sun exposure and how important that is. Like we've been duped into thinking that the sun that, the creator, whatever that is to you, made for us is yeah, bad, bad for, for you, you yeah. you know, and you have to put some cancer causing cream on you to protect you from the evil sun. I mean, it's like, dude, I, I go outside naked whenever possible. And, you know, sometimes people get afraid or offended by that. And I understand that. But the main concern people always say is like, oh my God, you're going to get sunburned, put sunscreen. I go, sun, what are you talking about? And I by the way, you drinking a lot of chaga is a huge support for that. That's really? So I didn't know that. Yeah, they have not only vitamin D, mushrooms, like humans can kind of on their quote unquote skin build this vitamin D, but also chaga is extremely high in, in certain antioxidants that support the skin, but it's also super high, in, especially in this melanin. So there's a lot of surfers and snowboarders that use chaga constantly because they get like extreme mounds of sun like they get it they're out so much like it's actually could potentially become an issue so of course and you know and i'm not an idiot for those of you watching I, you know i'm part italian or something so <laughs> you know i i have kind of all of no, but skin. you're spot on like we we don't have life here without the sun yeah. but you you can and i have witnessed this fair-skinned people can acclimate to the sun but i just want to say let's give the caveat you know do it safely if you're listening at home and if if you're from Ireland, like don't go to Brazil and try and lay out on the beach all day. You're literally going to die. Yeah. Um, but you 
could work up to it, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I just, I, that's why I love, you know, doing the show and talking to creative open minds like yourself, because we're the people that used to be sort of the fringe dwellers and the weirdos. I'm just going to lump you in on that, by the way, whether you like it or not. But we're the people that like people think you're weird and then it ends up sort of as the truth is revealed over time. It's like, no, everyone else is goddamn weird. We're actually the normal people that are trying to live within the the principles of nature. You know, it's like and we know that we're not. We're sitting here right now being bathed in Wi-Fi and God knows what else. So it's like, whatever, you have to just surrender and not try to control everything but at the same time it's like dude if i can eat a mushroom or a mushroom tea that's going to give me an internal sunscreen so i can go outside and have less to worry about that's amazing information to have but think about that like skin is a is an interesting thing and i <clears throat> i mean we can talk about cancer autoimmune other things like or stress or like there's a lot of stuff that are super vital for our body but people just not excited to talk about it until they suffer it like they're just it doesn't make them tick like but there's certain things that makes people like realize that oh like maybe i should look into this and skin is actually one of them but it is our biggest organ and at the same time it's the last place to get nutrients so skin quality is usually like a good indicator how healthy you are like usually when you meet people you just look at it's not a surprise that some like weird looking Chinese medicine doctor that doesn't speak English just looks you in the eyes and your skin and your tongue and tells what's wrong with you. And by the way, I've seen that happen many times and they're pretty accurate. Not always, but they're pretty accurate. So skin is like telling something about our general health, but it's also our first barrier against pathogens. So let's assume that like you and me, we live in cities. So we're in like in the LA area. So there will be amount of pathogens be it car fumes or whatever whatever you do you cannot escape them so you better make a shield for yourself so skin in general is a good indicator of a lot of stuff like how healthy we actually are and uh, obviously in modern society if you have good skin you're probably going to get other perks as well so it's almost like a currency of like the perks of getting laid (laughs) well it has it has it is like a currency in a way as well like looking healthy is a currency and you know i think people realize that but not a lot of people just talk about it it's a little bit of a taboo but like if you look healthy attractive if you exhausting these like sexy pheromones or whatever like that will help you in life as well you should not do it for because of that reason, but it is an additional bonus. Totally. And isn't that weird? I was talking to someone from uh, Thailand the other day and she had gone home to visit and she's really dark because she kind of follows this lifestyle and gets sun exposure and she gets really, really dark. And she went back and, um, you know, her friends are kind of making fun of her for being so dark because in that culture that represents you as being working class and i guess that you know it means that you work out in the fields rather than being in some uh, you know higher social status right yeah. and i thought god that's so that's it, it's another one of those weird paradoxes where in some cultures actually hiding from the sun and being totally deficient in vitamin d you know and having like way less happiness in your life is looked at as something that's a benefit. That's what, I, you know what I mean? It's just like, the world is so weird sometimes. It's yeah. it's the cosmic giggle, you know? So, uh, you know, I and, and, and then on the other side, you take like, um, 
you know, Western and European culture. And the more tan you are, if you have like the George Hamilton tan, then you're wealthy and you, you vacation in Monaco and you have this Mediterranean tan, you know, it's like, we look at a tan as, as more like you said, where you're more attractive and maybe a more viable mate or someone to hire because you look like you can reproduce and, uh, you know, have like a leisurely lifestyle so that you have the funds to be able to do that. It's just, it's so funny. Yeah, in Finland, you get a lot of shit if you go on vacation and you come back untanned. It's almost better to come back and like be super sunburned and everybody will be like, oh, good holiday, I bet. Right. But if you come back all pale, they will be like, what went wrong? You know? Yeah. Were you, did, were you hung over the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's usually the, the, the excuse most people say or the actual reason what they say because Finns are big on the drinking side. So. I want to ask something about you know, some of the benefits of mushrooms, have you found it difficult as a business owner because of the restrictions imposed by the FDA here where, I mean, have you found it difficult to talk about like the science of mushrooms and, and making health claims? Cause you don't want demand to come like stomp you or is it, is it not that it big hasn't a deal? limited my life much? Like there are certain packaging res- restrictions and stuff like that, but it's good to understand, like as Americans, sometimes you f- think like, ooh, like we're really strict here in the US. No, like we sell in so many countries, like literally like this is the least strict country in the world. Like there are so many countries that are way more strict, like pretty much no other country you can make health claims than here. Like, like here you just put a disclaimer and you can say almost anything you want, you know, especially with supplements, with food a little bit less. And at the same time, like I try to, like really focus on stuff that not to talk about like our cordyceps, but like say like there are studies of cordyceps doing that. But I think more and more people are getting smart. So like the few topics that, you know, I, I avoid talking primarily like cancer related because that's like such a hot button and then like people have different takes on it, mm-hmm. you know, but people can go and Google and go and they can go to PubMed and start looking at this research. So, so essentially like there's a couple of, topics that avoid but people are smart enough to like find the information themselves and they usually ask me about that but in general the u.s is so so lax. like here you can also sell all kinds of really crappy products like i, I think in lately in the last year we've some of those cases have come to come to light but like people actually just the products that they sell have none of the ingredients that they're actually selling and they're just pure filler and the same goes for mushroom. The mushroom industry is like, there's a lot of products that are actually like starch and grain and other things that are not optimal. They're selling like really cheap lab grown products. And even the using the word mushroom in some of those products when they sell them, mycelium is not technically even legal. FDA doesn't allow that. But back to your question, I think it's pretty easy in the US because you can get away with a lot of stuff, at least to a certain scale whereas other countries are more limiting. Not to say that there isn't some limitations in the US, but in general, US is like, it's in the health, it's the wild, wild west. It's, really? the, con- it's, it's the country that spends the least, I, I believe it's the country that spends the least in the world from as a percentage of income on food and the most on healthcare. It is like, just like, there's, a, there's the brightest people live here, but there's also like a lot of dark dark corners and dark forces and dark powers here so you can get away and you can hype market a lot here and get away with it and and legally be correct but even though like it's it's far from that so but i have to say like some of the more strict european countries are a little too 
too strict in a way, even though they, they value quality. I think it's some of the processes are, are pretty crazy. So, you know, like for example, the case of Chaga, Norway is like, it grows all over Norway and Norway is like super healthy country. And it's part of their history. It's literally like part of their country's history as a nation to drink Chaga tea. Maybe that's just the last couple of generations have forgotten it. And, and they have this, they have this uh, pharmaceutical list and then like allowed foods and not allowed foods. And um, it was not on the allowed foods list. It was not not allowed neither, but it was not on the allowed foods list. And then at one point, our resellers, they were like, hey, we cannot sell this. Like the government's saying we can't sell this chaga tea, which is part of your like our culture. And our, our crew, like our team of like Norwegian partners, then they called and they said, they called the government and they, the government said is like, look, like it's not on the list, so it's not legal. And our, our our guy said, well, I also looked at your list and the potato is not on your list either. Does that mean potato is illegal? And they were for a while quiet and they were like, okay, actually, you're right. This is, this is allowed. You can keep selling it. So there's a lot of those pitfalls as well with some governments. But in general, in the US specifically, um, you should be really careful. Like like what is sold on the market is, is as a health food is not always that healthy for you. I think most people already knew. Absolutely. And you're so right with like the Fugazi. I don't know if you guys have that word. It's kind of a Italian New York word. Fugazi. <laughs> it means fake. Yeah. I got it from the movie Donnie Brasco. I'm not from the Bronx, but yeah. it just sounds cool. It's a Fugazi. But we have a lot of Fugazi herbs and stuff over here. And I've been duped. And, you know, I'm pretty discerning and I've been buying this stuff probably way too much for way too many years. But I've bought like, um, uh, not chaga, I don't think, but definitely reishi mushrooms and a couple other mushrooms that I thought were extracts and they ended up being basically sawdust. Like what, what's up with that? Run, run us through the extraction process and what makes a really good chronic, like medicinal level mushroom and what is the swag? Like, how do we know when we're buying, you know, mushroom extracts, what's good and what's not? Okay. So Sure, I can answer that, but I'm, I have to cut a couple corners. But in general, like with any health food product, you need to know the variety of it first. Like what is the genus of the plant or the mushroom or the food that you're eating? Is it actually the one that has the health benefits? There is some products, it's like cousins or similars, but don't have the properties. So what is, and then what part of the plant or the mushroom it's used, how it's processed and how it's served as well. There's a huge difference there as well as far as bioavailability goes. For example, turmeric, which is now trendy, is like people should have black pepper with it to make it a little bit more bioavailable. So in this case, first thing is like you actually want the mushroom. Like sounds so simple, but you want the mushroom. You don't want the roots of the mushroom. It's not like you want to eat an apple bark, apple tree bark. You want to eat the apple. <laughs> and there's actually a lot of products on the market. It's cheaper to produce the roots of the mushroom, the mycelium. You can grow it in a laboratory. And you and even though the mycelium has some potential and um, and essentially the mycelium collects its life force into this mushroom. So it's the fruiting body's made out of the mycelium. It's just a more concentrated version of it. Still, the problem with that is it's grown in laboratories in, in brown rice or some kind of a grain or substrain, and they can't separate it. So essentially, they just take the whole lump sum and they grind it. So 50 to 70% of the end result is actually not the mushroom. And the mushroom in there is already by definition, by start, far inferior. So you want to eat the mushroom. So if you go to the forest and you see a mushroom in a tree or in, in the ground, that's the part you want. Like, it, that's what we've been using for thousands of years. So... 
fruiting bodies essentially is like the apple from the apple tree. If you see, if you go to your local grocery store and you see shiitake mushrooms, that is the fruiting body. That's what we're designed to eat. Just with supplements, you can hide all this other stuff. The second part is that most there's two kinds of mushroom groups. Kind of there's nutritional mushrooms that have these proteins. So that's your portobello, your cremini, white button, that like that that crew. And then there's these more like medicinal mushrooms that we're now talking that can help with your sleep quality, can help break down maybe cortisol or improve oxygen intake or support your adrenal glands or help with brain function. So these ones are more like inedible mushrooms. They like very generally speaking, they grow on trees and the protein mushrooms grow on the ground. Not black and white, but just to give you an idea. And so these things that grow on trees are not edible. So they're like heart, like wood, like matter. Like you've seen chaga yourself. If you can't eat it, so you have to cook it. So if you just eat it raw, it's just like it's a raw food no raw food eater would have ever really had. So I know a lot of the top raw food eaters, they don't eat this raw because it's no bioavailability. It has this chitin layer that we just can't absorb. So you cook it like bone broth. You cook it in like a longer time period. You cook a decoction out of it. It's essentially a, a tea and that will give you those immune system supporting benefits. And then you can all throw those out into any kind of alcohol and you get these adaptogenic fat soluble compounds out of them so that's another thing is like how it's processed and then finally like how it's served and then and we could with each mushroom we could go into specific like what color of reishi it is like what type of cordyceps is it um like there's also these cheaper cordyceps varieties that you know have less properties they're not actually like where the most studies are based on the sinensis variety like then there's these other types but so it, with each mushroom, there's specifics, but just know that if you eat the mushroom and it's properly extracted, you're already like 80% right way. And then finally, how it's served, like for example, adding vitamin C will enhance the absorption of these active ingredients, polysaccharides, by multiples of times. So there's ways of how making it more bioavailable as well. We try to do our best job and and incorporating all the latest knowledge on those into our products. But just so you know, like you don't need to buy, for example, our products, you can just get the actual real mushroom and prepare it like we've been preparing for a couple thousands of years and, and you're good. You know, that's already like you're there. It's just like those products are rare in the market, which sounds when I go to buy a mushroom supplement or mushroom product, it's hard to find mushroom products among the mushroom products. Like how crazy is that? Right. That's, that's been my experience too, where that's, I guess that's what the sawdust was. It's when they grow the mycelium in a rice or some other grain. Yeah. And then it's oh, like they own, on sawdust as well. <laughs> oh, it literally is on sawdust. <laughs> There's actually is sawdust because it's like wood chop. Yeah. And then when I started to get a little more savvy about that and I started getting like really potent extractions, like a powder, I mean, um, I take some reishi, uh, from longevity power and it's i forget i think it's like 15 times extraction and it's like darker than coffee it's most black and if you put a teaspoon of that in a tall glass of water i mean it's the color of coffee i mean it's really really concentrated and bitter and super bitter yeah yeah i mean you have to be like a freak like me to enjoy like you know taking something at that level i'm not doing it for taste i mean to me it's like if you ate an aspirin and you chewed up the aspirin, you're not doing it because it tastes like a Skittle. You're doing it because you have a headache or you don't want to get a headache. But I'll challenge you on that, though. Like, I get it. And that's been the mentality in health for a long time. But I think there is a middle ground. Like, I think the same way as how we were grossed out about eating raw fish until California roll became. And then we gradually started eating sushi. And then now sashimi is okay, you know, or same way as like how 
like juice has become such a thing, like gradually making more bioavailable, like available for people. I think there's a way of eating these bitters. Like I think you talk to any top expert and they're going to say bitters are good for you. Like you need to get on the bitter train. Like that bitter train is real. That's not hype. Like we need those bitters and we don't have those bitters. But what are the couple bitters that we do have in and which people enjoy is coffee and cacao. So starting with coffee or cacao based drinks and using those palates that we've learned to like and are also bitter to mask the, all the other bitters. That's a great way of getting like, like some of the like, like a lot of people I serve various mushroom adaptogen drinks, they don't even notice that they're there. Like once you start to really doctor them with good stuff. I mean, I have to say, and I'm not, you know, this isn't like a commercial for you. I, I, I like what you guys do and you're, you're very innovative with your product, which is why I want to talk to you. You know, I'd only talk to people who do cool shit. And I have to say your stuff tastes delicious. So almost to the point, I'm like, is this still good for me? <laughs> Cause it like actually really tastes good. Like the coffee blend and whatever you guys figured out where it dissolves in water, what do you like, you know, like when you get, um, What's that instant coffee? Like oh, like Starbucks Via? Yeah, what's that? Whatever technology you guys have where it's this uh, these granules that totally dissolve, it's like an instant drink, which makes it one thing that's really cool is it makes it really convenient because me, like I'll boil, you know, I buy my chaga in like five, 10 pounds at a time off eBay. I have a couple trusted pickers that sun dry it. There's no mold. It's, it's legit. It's from, you know, Minnesota or something probably. And I'll, you know, I know how to, I do it in a crock pot, like you said, like yeah. bone broth. And I, I make probably, probably about four gallons at a time. And I had to like customize my refrigerator to fit the big tub of chaga. <laughs> I mean, I'm next level, but most people don't care enough to go through that. And even the way that I make like my, my liquid chaga tea is still like too strong for most people. I mean, yeah. it's like dark, 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 dark brown, but you guys are doing stuff that is good for you, but is actually palatable and simple. What, what did, I mean, I don't want you to give away your patented secrets of extraction or anything, obviously um, publicly because you might have a proprietary method, but you have an uncanny ability to make it the ease of use and the taste really good. What's the deal with that? Well, that's the funny part is that whenever you see a trademark or somebody not disclosing how they do it, or there's proprietary methods, it's usually that's fishy like for the longest time uh all my friends were on this protein powder that tasted so good and it was like was it the one world way yes all my guys were on that bandwagon big and i was like i was like this shouldn't taste so good like if you just get pure whey, it shouldn't taste this good and then like years went by and people were on that for a long time and really smart people as well and then finally somebody actually made the lab result it's like 70 percent sugar or something like that because it did taste like sugar what so what was the conspiracy around that was i mean it's it was grass-fed right but it was mostly sugar they had way more sugar than the label stated uh, so i mean yes. that made it more it mixed better than normal way it didn't float right know? right and uh it tasted sweeter anyway in fairness in fairness to that company though i i believe if i'm not mistaken that they they turned they it around it. Yeah, 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 yeah i haven't bought it ever since but like i th i also saw something like that that they fixed it yeah which is cool you know and at the time i mean this is going back i seven, eight years or something, I think I used to buy yeah. that stuff. And you really couldn't find real grass-fed whey. Yeah, especially so. like unhomogenized and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And they did a good job educating people. So, but I, in, in general, like if nobody discloses what you do. So yeah. I guess like 
like what do you do like in in your case it's like you've been cooking chaga and you notice that like the further you cook it the blacker it gets right and then you make it in the same way with once you do the the alcohol extraction and you put it in alcohol and you get this drinks and like how are the benefits different and then once you combine those that's called a dual extraction and we're not the first people to do a dual extraction we were like maybe the first ones to bring it in a powder form but like i guess that you had Donnie Vital is like their company sir thrival had a dual extracted product so there was a couple of companies doing it and a lot of people individuals who were like more advanced were doing it and and this dual extraction is especially important with things like chaga and rishi that have these triterpenes that really need that like stronger solvent of alcohol or something like that and the technology has been there a long time like how to make powders in, or like liquid extracts into powder we've had these in capsules of tulsi ashwakanda the problem with those is like a lot of the plants they require a binder now i'm going to the geeky stuff i don't oh, know I sure. so like if you want to make a liquid into a powder you need something that will bind it and they often use the sugar but still do most products don't label it it's often a maltodextrin which is fine in small amounts like a couple percent five percent that's fine but a lot of them would end up having that 70 percent like not related to this protein brand but like a lot of that would happen and and that would come from corn-based maltodextrins that might have been gmo and you know so on and so forth with mushrooms they are very fibrous especially the tree mushrooms so you can use that mushroom fiber once you spray dry that but and I mean, we just combined existing stuff. And I think like, you know, I don't want to take credit from like pioneers that like, and we just combine it. I guess like what we had unique is that we're individually packed. So we made it more po- like there are packets where you just tear it open, add water, you have a drink on the go. So I think that, and then the second part is like, hopefully the flavor part. Like I don't, there, there's a couple of products that we openly still sell that taste really bad. Uh, because there is an audience for that, <laughs> believe it or not. So if you try one of our products and taste bad, it might have been one of those. But we also do have products that are yummy. And, you know, that's the more of the side that we've been working on, like how to make it fun with using cinnamon or using mint or using like other stuff while still having like the ancient formulation methods where we, you know, put a main herb and a supporting herb and a balancing herb. And there's like a function for all of those, but still like in a way that tastes good. Because like, I would rather... And I, I think a lot of people don't say this in the industry and probably like some people is going to hate me for it, but I'll rather have like a diet that is 90% good that you can sustain rather than like the perfect whatever product like picked on moon, you know, like on full moon and whatever. Like, like there are certain things that are legit, like sun drying, like you mentioned, that is legit. Like that will actually boost your vitamin D levels and or of the mushroom. And then you can eat the vitamin D through that. And vitamin D is like, the king thing in in our health like we really need it i have a really geeky question about that because i totally forgot about the vitamin d piece with chaga yeah as i understand it because i when i got my labs done about a year ago weirdly enough with all the sun i get i was still a little deficient in d3 so i supplemented d3 that's made from lanolin and i've heard that supplementing a fat soluble d3 is all well and good but you need d3 from the sun which is a d sulfate and you can't supplement that so my question is do you happen to know if the chaga mushroom is sun-dried if that produces a d3 sulfate or regular fat soluble d3 i know and it's neither it's d2 what (laughs) so um for the listeners on this in this geeky side 
Um, there are slight differences in it. Um, there could be more research around it. The general consensus is like all of them would support it and maybe some individuals just would absorb it slightly differently. I guess the end conclusion is that sun is good. You know, the sun is good. And by the way, usually absorb it on the mid sun. Like a lot of people with sunbathers love like when it's low, you know, either in the morning or in the evening, but it's actually like when it's the brightest, you need that like, depending what's the time of the year and where are you and what's your skin type, you need that like 10, 15 minutes of bright sun. But in this case, mushrooms have, would have this more of uh, a vegan a source of vitamin D and it's D2. It's slightly different compound. Talk with a lot of experts on the difference between D2 and D3. You know, just, you know, they might be a small difference, not a critical like D2 will help. And this was actually how a lot of indigenous cultures would have battled seasonal depression is eating these mushrooms because the mushrooms, once you've harvested them, if, especially if you turn them like gills up and you collect that vitamin D, it's like really works. Like that was how they, because like you mentioned in the beginning, like Finland, like one hour, one hour sun, like it's a dark place. It's not even the coldness. It's not even that like snow. It's like the fact that it's dark. Oh, yeah. So like those mushrooms, so mushrooms wore a use of it. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's for your point, but like, I would say like supplementing could sun better every every little bit helps so i want to just run through a couple of the different mushrooms so you know for people that don't know what the hell we're talking with i'm assuming there's going to be a mix of both so chaga is this giant thing that looks like a wart which varies in size that i've seen from maybe like an american football to maybe a giant turkey <laughs> that you like have on your Thanksgiving table. I mean, they, they're pretty big. And I guess the bigger they are, the longer they've been there and the more chance they've had to kind of bioaccumulate these medicines, which they're sapping from the birch tree. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a classic tree mushroom. And then you have the reishi mushroom, which it's funny. You mentioned that it has to be, you know, you have to extract the nutrients from it. Cause I remember my first experience with reishi mushrooms was, God, 20 years ago going down to Chinatown, you know, downtown LA, which is probably like the worst herbs ever, you know, just I, unless you really know where to go. But I, I would just go and buy all this weird looking stuff, you know, it's like chicken feet and stuff. I don't know, just, you know, really random stuff in jars. And it was just really cool. It was like going into Frankenstein's laboratory or something. And so I bought, um, I didn't even know what reishi was at the time. I just bought a little bit of everything. And Linchi, they say. Oh, they do? Yeah. And I thought you were supposed to eat it. So I remember trying to chew, you know, they cut it into strips. It looks yeah, like slices for those listening. It sort of looks like a bacon made out of wood. <laughs> yeah. But I remember trying to, trying to chew on that going like, I'm missing something here. Cause I cannot break this up, you know? So reishi mushrooms are, from my understanding, the most, get this, you guys, the most studied herb in the world would you corroborate that it's it's not far the thing is like our company name four sigma is that it's a geeky way of saying that we only represent the 50 most researched foods in the world like we're overall geeky so we have these geeky battles within the company of like what are the most study things on the planet and we get into this point is like if if studies show that it's not good for you but there's a lot of them does that mean that it's a study you know like, <laughs> right right like, so the aspartame studies don't mean you should take aspartame yeah, in your or, food right or like is it like like low quality studies versus a really good study like is not all studies are created equal i would generally say that it is 
by far the most studied of the mushrooms, followed by probably psilocybin. And I would also say that it's one of the most studied ones. But I would have to say that now that we've really battled for a couple of years on some of these topics, I would say marijuana and tobacco are really like the top of the list. Or coffee, right? I mean, I guess if you technically are calling all of these herbs, those would be... Lemon is actually like, I think, like top three, pine, birch. And birch is actually extremely studied. You would be surprised. But that explains a lot of the health benefits of chaga as well, like betulin and betulinic acid. But I would say it is like the top of the top. It's called the queen of mushrooms or the queen of herbs. Grows on hemlocks, which is the end of the forest cycle, whereas chaga grows in the pioneer tree, birch. So it's funny that the queen, the king of mushrooms, chaga, is like in the pioneer in the first tree. And then the, in the hemlock, the last tree in the ecosystems cycle is comes the queen. So, and there's a other couple of interesting one. Cordyceps is the most popular in the US. And then there's lion's mane has become extremely popular in the few years because it's very unique brain characteristics. And all of these, I think, are, I, I, I use probably the worst anecdote ever, anybody's ever said about mushrooms, but I love it. So I'm just going to keep saying it. And maybe one day a year, it will be a good one. So I call them the four teenage ninja turtles. Because like they're all ninjas and they're all turtles, which means they're all mushrooms and they're all good for the immune system. So they tend to be antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. And the immune system is a, is, a, is a thing that nobody really cares for unless they're sick. They're like, I don't care. But you must understand like the immune system affects so many body functions that it's crazy. And not just like, and cancers happen because of it. Autoimmune disorders happen because of our immune system. Allergic reactions happen because of it. But they're good for the immune system. But they all also have a special weapon, same way as Donatello and Leonardo, you know? And we've talked a little bit about them. Chaga is great for skin and anti-inflammatory. It's very high in antioxidants, high in certain minerals such as zinc or germanium. Rishi, on the, so that's the king. And the queen is on the hand. There's a really grounding, motherly, nurturing. And it helps break down, for example, stress potentially in our liver and and really like those like grounding. A lot of people say that like it helps them with their flight or fight situation when they're stressful at work. So it's great in the afternoon, evening, especially during the nighttime, our liver like processes some of those. Because a lot of people sleep seven, eight hours, but still wake up tired. They're less chronically stressed, so they can't sleep deep enough. And then lion's mane is for the brain, nervous system, cordyceps is sexual function and oxygen intake. So very, a lot of athletes love that one. That's like super popular in that. But they're all good for the immune system. And obviously, if if that was super confusing, I would just recommend like you always like can give, go never wrong by starting with Chaga and Rishi, like the king and the queen. Like there's the mushroom kingdom is beautiful and there's a lot to learn and, and multiple amazing things. But if you start with the king and the queen, you know, you could work the first year, you could just work like work on those and you would reap a lot of benefits. Yeah, those are those are the ones that I take every single day and have been for a long, long time. And I have to say, I mean, and sorry, if I may, they're yeah. a food, they're not a supplement. Like people understand like the you can eat the same way as you would eat some dark leafy green. You should probably take some mushroom every day. So I just wanted to say that because sometimes there is this like because they're they taste bad and that's why they've been encapsulated. People are scared of them. They just want to take them like for a week and per year, like there's, that's not the need. So I, th yeah, thank you for that. And we would call that a tonic herb then, yes. right? Yeah. Meaning that it's not like something like echinacea. You don't want to take every day. Or garlic. Right, right. 
so there there are herbs that are case by case but tonic herbs we can take every day and you know i'd also like to add that for those of you listening that you know we're talking about how nasty they are and stuff dude my chaga tea is delicious i mean granted i make it a little bit strong you know for some people but it has a very like sweet vanilla like flavor i mean it's like amazing and i guess i'm accustomed to bitter foods because i try to get a lot of bitters into my diet but i really like the taste of reishi mushroom too i put that also in my coffee which i know you guys do too and it's like not too much, you know, like when I do it, it's half a teaspoon. But once you have the right stuff, that is actually plenty. That's plenty. You Totally. Like that's also people to understand, like once you have the right stuff, you can't even take that much. So yeah, yeah. I've had experiences with Rishi um, where I do an experiment of mega dosing where I'll take like a really strong extract and do a few tablespoons a day. <laughs> I mean, I've been t- working with mushrooms and meeting people and I've been talking about them, how there's like starch in the mycelium. And then suddenly this guy came and came like a whole book about how mycelium is good for you despite the the substrains and others and like showed all this like stuff like that presenting the case. I was like, okay, you know, I get it. Like there's some benefits to it and there's a couple studies that show it. And had this whole back of like actually, I think one of the biggest companies in the world producing this product, and it was their mecca like extra strong version. And I got a whole back that was supposed to last like three months, and I was like, you know what, I might be sick for two days, but I'll fuck it, I'm trying it. So I poured the whole back of two three months dosing into one Vitamix, and I just <laughs> doctored it, and I and I drank the whole thing. Like it took me like hour fifteen minutes to drink it, and I finished it, dude. I didn't notice anything, wow. like nothing. And if you've ever had like a good mushroom extract, if you get that that teaspoon of of that, and you'll be like, whoa, I feel this. I got the whole freaking bag of like. So uh, you're my kind of guy. And I was, but that I don't recommend those experiments, people. Yeah. And if it would have been the real thing, I would have probably gone like one tenth of the Vitamix and I would have been done. Like I would have yeah. not been able to finish it. But well, I think that's, you know, to me, one of the reasons that I was put here is to, to do the research and to be that canary that voluntarily flies into the coal mine. <laughs> you know, it's like, I kind of like, just living on the edge a little bit and then i can come back and report to people what what my discoveries were and they don't have to go through all that effort you know it's like i can make the most disgusting smoothie ever just to see if it's tolerable and then if someone else wants to get some of the benefits of that i just reduce the dosing on everything times 10 and they have like a palatable normal healthy drink that doesn't have any law of diminishing returns to it you know is it fair to say that your lifestyle is experimental lifestyle and you love that and you get energy even if some of the experiments fail you get energy out of it and maybe some of the listeners here are more like you know a a different angle and they want to have that and i guess the the message here is like like mushrooms are a kingdom give mushrooms a chance and there's a way it's not a coincidence why almost every top culinary place will serve mushrooms like there are certain umami flavors that we just crave same way as some people are addicted to you know uh, whatever bacon or like certain cheeses or wine and you can have those experiments without having these like whatever is your lifestyle you can adjust the herbalist or the mushroom health benefits into that absolutely and i love that's what what you guys are doing that you're making it really easy 
to take that in and make it part of your lifestyle. Because like you were talking about earlier, compliance is really difficult. And as you said, unless someone is already sick and their body's failing them, most people don't really care. I mean, I have a client right now who's perfectly healthy, but he wants to be healthier. And he said to me the other day, we were, you know, doing like a makeover on his home. And he's like, God, you know what? I just hate taking vitamins and stuff. Like I have him in the, and he has some really good stuff in his cupboard. I was like, why aren't you taking this? He's like, I just can't stand taking that stuff. Because compliance is, is really hard for people that don't, you know, just have the passion for it like I do or like you do. You need something that tastes good. You need something that's very convenient or people just will not do it unless they're painted into a corner by some illness. Then all of a sudden they're like, what? Okay, I'll take whatever you say. But even then, Case, like even if you're like a true believer, a fanatic, like who wants another more capsule? Like we're all capsuled out. We're already like, we have a list of stuff that we actually need to take. And we're like, do I want to add another mushroom capsule or whatever capsule? Like, no, like we're capsuled out. And it's hard even for people who are internally motivated to do another capsule. So whenever there's a way where you can eat or drink it, usually the compliance just is so much more fun, so much more exciting. It's not even compliance anymore. It's called enjoying life. Totally. <laughs> totally. It's called giving your, your taste buds and your body something amazing. And yeah. I'm a believer. I can. That's the thing I can brew. But I think there is a, a certain absorption increase of any nutrients once you taste it so even when i take capsules i usually open them i taste them so once your saliva hits it i believe and i can be wrong 100 but i think our body gets ready to receive it and sure. then and that's like that's my hippie thing no you're dude I, and i i must there's got to be science somewhere in that i absolutely agree that even when you see a food, I think it sends a message to your brain, let alone when it hits your mouth and your taste buds, that it lets your gut know what's coming down the pipe. I, I really believe that. And I, too, actually, only if I'm really in a hurry will take capsules. I empty all of my capsules into my Vitamix. And yeah. when I drink that god-awful concoction in the morning that makes me feel amazing all day... I chew it. I mean, it's like such a weird variety of flavors. I have aloe vera leaf in there. I mean, like just it's it's a disaster. But I chew it because I want to let my system know what's coming. Like, okay, yeah. guys, I know this sounds crazy, but here's the shit that we're about to take in. So get ready. Really, the only thing that I don't do that with because I would vomit in my mouth is krill oil. <laughs> I mean, that one. Yeah. Like, krill oil, man. You're not putting that in your mouth and swishing it around. And I like to sublingually get stuff in there too. You know, there's things I take that I, I don't, I take a shower and just swish them in my mouth for a so few I'm minutes. So I'm curious, why do you take krill oil? Well, you know, I take krill oil because my body just intuitively likes it. Yeah. I'll take two before I go to sleep. It yeah. helps me sleep. I don't tend to eat a lot of food throughout the day. And so, you know, I eat a lot of fat in the morning. I eat some vegetables, some avocado here and there, maybe like a piece of meat or a piece of fish. But I like taking krill when I go to bed because it seems to give me a little bit of fuel when I sleep. Yeah. Sometimes if I don't eat something like that, I don't want to eat a heavy meal before bed, but if I stay up late, Have I'll you wake tried, up. like cod liver oil or something like that? I do fermented cod liver oil from, um, yeah, what's that company? Makes really great fermented cod liver oil. Uh, Green Pastures. They're like totally old school. And I, I really like that. Yeah. And they also make a skate liver oil. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. So I do both of those. But uh, I go through cycles of krill. Yeah. Too. Why yeah. do you, you're asking? You think it's like. No, it's, um, I'm just curious. Is this yeah. like for, that's an, a product that 
it's kind of been hard to know like where does that actually come from and what's the quality of it right it's just like a mystery hole and there's certain products that i just like so it's hard to know and then it's like oh the krill industry is definitely fishy it's, I mean, there's it's a lot of, fishy so yeah, yeah so no pun intended but there's a lot of shady companies i mean you definitely have to like dig around a bit and do some yeah. research because you can tell it's shady because they all talk about how all the other companies are doing it wrong yeah and like they're the only one that's ecologically sound and is you know pure of heavy metals and all this stuff so it's like it's definitely there's a bit of conspiracy around the krill and and i don't have a good reason that's why i was asking i'm yeah. just curious like like just like krill is an example of a of a product category so i have nothing against the the theory yeah. and the concept of krill it's just like when i meet people in that industry and i start asking questions where does it come I, I i don't seem to get like good answers yeah which is always like for me and learn alarm so totally i mean i like <laughs> this sounds funny but i like the color of it you yeah know, all the astaxanthin in there it's yeah. just i don't know like i said it's just one of those things i don't like the smell of it <laughs> that's why i don't chew those up like i i'm not even a big fish guy but you know it's a piece of wild salmon some yeah. you know some um you know a lobster tail every once in a while i mean fish is like okay tasting to me but krill's like oh and then the other thing that I that I um, swallow whole is if I take any probiotics. Yeah. Because those, I think, have a tough time getting through the digestive process and going where they need to go. Yeah. Which um, brings me to my final note. Um, there's another way you can take probiotics, which I experimented with for a while, and that is rectally using a uh, syringe. That's <laughs> having some severe gut issues. I've tried it all, dude. You know, it's like... You just never know what's going to work. In that case, you do not want to use the capsule mm -hmm. as that could be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that is a great way to wind down. It, that's kind of just shuts it down right there. Boom. Yeah. I was, I was just about to give good stories because my mom worked to teach nurses and there, I attended a lot of her classes and there is a lot of stuff that they teach that are not like people don't realize what, like, for example, when, when, when you have, um, and I don't even know the official lingo of all of this in English because it was just taught to me in Finnish, but essentially when the nurse will peel off dry shit out of the patient's ass <laughs> to make it um, essentially remove a blockage. And there's a technique how you do it. You, uh, it, it. We only have a voice here, so I can't show you how you do it, but there's a technique or how do you plunge a uh, plastic tube into your... Um, what, what do you call it through your penis like where urinal track to a catheter put it, a catheter yeah and i hope to never see all my health freak stuff probably put in the position i'll never have to have one of those god willing yeah so there's a couple of those things that like definitely people don't want to think about and there's a reason for it but they happen like every day there's somebody getting that so it's done to somebody every day around the world so i think once you've had like extensive colonic irrigations then everything's pretty much you know open season from there on <laughs> out you know yeah <laughs> back in the day i had a lot of that done and i was like oh okay, you know what? It's just the gloves are off. Let's do <laughs> yeah. this. Let's just, let's see what works and what doesn't, you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you one closing question. And then that is a three-part question. You know, we, you've taught us some stuff here about life, about mushrooms, about health, about where you come from, customs, lots of fun stuff. Who are your go-to teachers or books or philosophies? Give me three names, three books. If if we wanted to learn from who you learned from, where do we start? That's a great one. It's actually a really relevant one because that's today I was trying to order 
couple books because I'm, I'm going on a trip to Asia and, and my travel companion said that we'll buy books for each other essentially. So I had to like look into what would I buy. And the deal was that uh, books I haven't read yet. So I had to go and, and th- that's problematic for me because I, for the several years, I stopped reading books like deliberately. I, I consumed a lot of books. Like I was like going through like really carefully reading about a book a week and for long time periods. And I realized that if you're, even if you're reading other people's smart thoughts, which I think is good after a certain point, it prevents you from building your own thoughts. And, and, and that I, I noticed that I became a lackey to other people's great ideas and they were not necessarily my ideas though. So I wanted to formulate that. So I've been often reading for a long, long time and, and now I've been trying to like, look, what should I get? So it's relevant. And it's also like, touchy topic is like if i look at the greatest learnings i've had they usually come from like your best friend or a relationship that didn't work where you screwed up or like those are like the big life lessons but for the sake of this i would say anthony DeMello is a teacher it doesn't really just tell stories like a, you know and you can look his old youtube videos anthony DeMello, d-e-m-e-l-l-o and there's also a book i love awareness from him and he's just like simple life lessons without like telling straight up to your face just telling a story and that story has some wisdom in it so i love that i think other things that would come straight on top of my mind i would say this there's no author in it and there's something similar to Demello that is story or lesson based there is a guy different names in different cultures but nasrudin it's a kind of a sufi islam persian uh, Turkey area guy in different parts is called Nasruddin Hoja or just Hoja H-O-D-D-J-A or Nasruddin is N-A-S-R-U-D-D-I-N I think and it's spelled slightly differently but if you google that you learn this of, of this old man who was not rich or poor who gave other people life lessons by just common things and I think reading those is always a pleasure and again there's not real teaching in them and that that's the teaching itself it's just like events to normal people and and something smart about those and then i think and as far as health goes i think this is not particular person again but i don't like nutritionists or health experts i you know i generally meet a lot of them and there's some really good ones and there's more good ones now than they used to be but in general i like ah, they're just so isolated and i guess i fall into that as well and so don't listen to me necessarily, but always when I've had the time to hang out with like farmers or chefs, I would say actually chefs is like, I would start with the chef that goes to the farmer's market. If you can hang around with a chef that goes actually to buy the food from the farm or the farmer's market, like that is like just pure coal for health and wellness. Like, and there's a lot of stuff there. Um, they might not all be skinny, but they usually are healthy. They're happy. They enjoy life. And, and a lot of those teachings that they will tell is opposite to the common consensus of health. But then in the long run, they will be considered that, oh, they were right. Like butter. Like for how long were chefs like, oh, butter is just the best for cooking. And for the lo- and there were people like, no, butter is bad for you. And now finally we know that good French butter is the bomb, you know? So hanging out with them, I think highly recommended. And I think cooking food is fun in general. So there's a, it's a double win.
Awesome. Thank you for that. It's an unexpected answer. That's that's pretty cool. I haven't had a group of people yet as a teacher. Yeah, I'm you know? sorry. I, this, is, this is a hard question. I love me, it. So, no, yeah. it's great. That's that's amazing because I'm thinking about it as you said that. And I thought, I don't know any. I, I do know some chefs that are a bit chubby, you know, but I don't know any that are depressed. Yeah. So I think there's really something to that. And we know the best food ever is food that's made with care and love. So they must be on to something. And lastly, I'd like to give a clear shout out to where we can find you and Four Sigma. What are your URLs, social media, all that stuff? Yeah, we're just a bunch of guys with really hard names that you can't spell and you're probably going to misspell and mispronounce. And and our company name is Geeky. You know, it's like it's hard to it's easy to misspell that as well. But it's Four Sigma Foods, so F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-F-O-O-D-S.com. Um, my name is Taro, T-E-R-O. Not big into social media, but lately I've had an Instagram account. <laughs> you can I look. found you on there. I found yeah. you. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes so you don't have to spell it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, Google us. We've had like free eBooks for you guys, free videos, and we're trying to build like an online education platform that would be free to all about a lot of the stuff that we've learned throughout the years and make it easy, more easily and, and to learn about this stuff because it can be overwhelming and confusing at times. So that's our aim, hopefully it's at service and that's it. Awesome, that's great. And that's the purpose of this show. And thank you for coming to help us do that. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. Uh, we've reached that bittersweet moment, my friend, the end of another Lifestylist episode. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. And I want to reward you by reminding you again of your free episode upgrade, which has all of the notes, all of the links, everything that I talked about with Taro in today's show. All you have to do is text Lifestylist8 to 44222, and you'll get free access to that download. Easy breezy. You can also go to lukestory.com forward slash Lifestylist8 for the same damn thing. And lest we forget that sweet discount that has been offered to you by foursigmatic.com. And the discount code is, of course, the Lifestylist, which you enter at checkout to save 15%. And I'm dead serious about the mushroom mixes. Like, I really love them. I don't push stuff or recommend stuff that I don't believe in. And these are the best ever. And I know you're going to love them. Everyone I've recommended them to is like, dude, you saved my life. Because you can either, like I said, upgrade your existing coffee game or you can just replace coffee if you need to. So they're really rad, and I encourage you to take advantage of that. And the last request I have is if you could just share this episode with someone. I don't know. Put it on Twitter. Screen grab it. Put it on Instagram. Put it anywhere. I don't care. Let the world know that the Lifestylist is here, busting out the good content and the good information and the amazing guests. I'm really looking forward to building this audience and sharing all of this vital information with the world, and you can do your part by helping me to share it. So until the next time we say goodbye, I bid you farewell. And the next time will be no sooner than tomorrow when you join me for Episode 9, Confessions of a Vitamin Junkie with Dr. Kelly Bender.